Welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast. If you love tennis and want to improve your game, this podcast is for you. Whether it's technique, strategy, equipment, or the mental game, tennis professional Ian Westerman is here to make you a better player. And now, here's Ian. Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Tennis Express. Please check them out this week by going to EssentialTennis.com slash Express. Well, thanks very much for joining me on today's episode. I really appreciate having you as a listener. And before we get to today's topic, which is going to be working on the difference between consistency and power and which should you work on more and when, which is a, a good topic. I want to let you all know that next week I'm going to have an announcement to make. Not not quite as big as my last one, I guess, but uh, I, I'll, I'll just tell you right now, it's going to have to do with Essential Tennis Platinum, which is my monthly membership section of EssentialTennis.com. I haven't made it available for quite a while now, and I'm going to kick off something having to do with that next week. And it's going to involve a free video course about improving several different strokes of your tennis game. And that course is only going to be available for a limited amount of time. So I'm giving you a week heads up on that. Next week, I'm going to announce that. I'm going to tell you exactly where to go to get that free course. And at the end of next week, I'm going to be opening Essential Tennis Platinum again for a short period of time to to new members. So I wanted to give you all a, a week heads up on that. So look for that, listen for that. Next week, I'll have more details. Just wanted to give you a heads up. All right, with that, let's go ahead and get to today's show. Sit back, relax, and get ready for some great tennis instruction. All right, let's go ahead and get to today's topic, which comes to us from Joe Shelton. And I don't have his location, but we see here in his question that he's a 4.0 player. He's got a quick and simple question that's really good. He wrote, he wrote to me and said, as a 4.0, aspiring to be a 4.5 level player, which is better, working to be more consistent or working to hit more powerful shots? They aren't mutually exclusive, but there definitely is a trade-off. And thinking specifically forehands in my case, but in fact, the question applies to the full spectrum of the game. Joe. Yeah, Joe, good question. And I agree with several things that you said there in your question. First of all, you're right. They aren't mutually exclusive, meaning it doesn't have to be either or. You don't have to work on either consistency or power. In fact, uh, obviously, it would be great to have both to uh, consistently be able to hit powerful shots. But I agree with you, there is a trade-off there. And, you know, all of us only have certain amounts of time to work on our game. And and so you have to kind of try to choose what's the wisest parts or the, the wisest uh, aspect of tennis to spend most of your time on so that you really improve the part of your game that's most relevant to actually making a jump up to the next level. You don't want to work and spend your valuable time on court on something that is a waste of time for your level. And maybe it's a good concept and it's a good, you know, you had good intentions and it's not a waste of time per se, but it's something that maybe didn't have the biggest effect on your level that 
could have been otherwise if you worked on something that's more relevant. So good question here, Joe. And basically, I'd like to start off by saying that there's a sliding scale. What you want to spend more time on really depends on what level your game is at. And I'm, I'm going to describe that for the benefit of everybody listening to the episode. And then towards the end, after I give a, a general description so that the entire audience can benefit from, from hearing my thoughts on this. After that, I'm going to give you my thoughts specifically for your level, but you'll, you'll be able to deduce that based on the, the general outline that I give based on different levels of play. And basically the way this works is beginners on up through right around your level of play. I think usually right around a 4.0 level or maybe a stronger 4.0 level should definitely be focusing mostly on consistency. And, you know, obviously it's not bad if you have weapons at a 3.0 level. You know, if you're blessed with good athleticism and right out of the box, you're able to hit the ball hard without even really trying to do it, you know, forcefully, you don't have to work super hard to, to create pace, then great. And, most people listening to this hate you, by the way, <laughs> if that's the case. If you just pick up the game and you're able to immediately have weapons, awesome. But regardless of that, when you're beginning and on up through probably around a 4 level, you should be working on consistency. And there's three reasons for that, in my estimation. Number one, power isn't needed to win. So just purely from a tactical standpoint, you have to realize that at a beginner level, on up to a 3-5 level for sure, the vast majority of points end in an error. They end with somebody just making a mistake, and they weren't forced to mess up. It wasn't a, uh, it certainly wasn't a winner. It wasn't a, a forced error. That's a shot where your opponent hits a great shot that you get to, and you get a racket on it, but it was such a good shot from your opponent that you just really weren't expected to make that shot back in play. And up through a 4-0 level, you know, kind of a, a entry-level 4-0 level, the vast majority, majority of points end with somebody making a mistake. So just from a purely tactical standpoint, focusing on your consistency and just being able to place the ball, you know, accurately in the courts where you want it to go over and over again, that's how you're going to make the biggest jump in level is by focusing on that. Joe has already done that, you know, he's already put in the legwork to get to that point. He's a 4-0 level, which is a more advanced player for sure, certainly intermediate, um, and he's put himself now, I think, in the top 15 or 20% of players in, in the United States, which is awesome. So he's obviously put in the time and the repetition to be able to put the ball on the court. Otherwise, he wouldn't be a 4-0 looking to improve to 4-5 in the first place. So nice job with that, Joe. Reason number two why up until Joe's level, you want to focus on consistency is because if you ever want to reach a 4-5 level, which is definitely, you know, we could classify as advanced. We're talking about the top 5 to 10% of players in the United States. You need a solid base. You need a solid foundation of just knowing how to get the ball in play reliably. If you start off your tennis journey early on working on weapons and working on racket head speed and working on big amounts of spin and big amounts of power, 
you'll probably be able to come up with a great, you know, impressive shot here and there, but more than likely, you will also make a lot of unforced errors that kind of kind of counteract or counterbalance the the awesome shots that you do make. So, you should really put a strong emphasis emphasis, excuse me, on consistency first so that when you do get into a match and you get closer to that more advanced level of play, you have a, a good base of just being able to get the ball in play first. And then from there, you're able to work the points. You're able to transition smoothly from a more of a neutral rally to offense instead of only having offense and having started your tennis career, just developing weapons and just having offense, offense, offense. And when you walk out there and you don't have a, a great day, which is what it takes, if, if all you have is offense and that's all you have to fall back on and you have even a little bit of an off day, you're going to make mistakes all over the place. And when that happens and you don't have that fundamental base to fall back on of just being able to just hit the ball in the courts and just work a point and be patient and play the ball safely, if you don't have that, then your only way of winning at that point is hoping that your opponent makes more mistakes than you do. Or obviously hope you have a good day. And when you have a good day and those are your tactics, it's going to be a great day. You know, you're going to hit just winner after winner. Everything's going to feel great. But when you're that type of player and you don't have the base, the foundation, then having just a little bit of an off day can be just a disaster. And you don't want to play that kind of all or nothing style. You won't have any staying power. You won't have any consistency. Uh, so that's number two. We need that solid base. And then number three, the only way to be consistent and accurate is through good fundamental technique. And so if early on you have the patience to work on your consistency, the only way to really do that reliably is to have good solid technique. And so it kind of forces you, well, I mean, you know, I should temper that a little bit by saying, you know, it's possible to hit the ball in the court without having traditional, you know, technique or what people would call, you know, good looking technique or pretty looking technique. It's certainly possible to do that. And I'm not going to say that you have to have X, Y, and Z technique in order to be a good tennis player. That's not the case. There's a lot of different types of people out there, a lot of different types of athletes, people that learn differently and um, you know might not be interested in making everything try to look quote unquote right and that's okay and you know you know I just want to throw that out there but in general uh, if you want to move down a path of improvement then making fundamentally sound technique improvements is really necessary and it's something that you have to do and so when you put a high value on consistency the best and and really for most people the only way to do that is to also work on your technique is the point i'm getting at. so when you really focus on that early on uh, you'll learn how to create consistent repeatable strokes ground strokes follies serves returns of serve everything that you need to be a good player. Uh, when you focus on that, all of those different techniques will become kind of galvanized and formed through repetition as you practice your consistency. And this, again, forms a solid foundation to your game. 
So you, you develop that consistency, you develop your stroke technique, and what I'm describing is really the way that I recommend all of you listening that are beginners or maybe uh, you know, 3-0, 3-5 type players, these are the types of things that you should be focusing on. Your, your stroke technique, your consistency, these are the things that, that give you a solid base to work on and improve from there to more advanced levels of play. Okay, so that's kind of the, the, um, the, the general overview of how you should be thinking if you're a, a beginner player or starting off tennis and you're, you know, maybe you've been playing a couple years and you're a 3 or 3-5 player. Once you get up to around where Joe is, a 4-5 level and definitely kind of a stronger 4.0 level, Winning becomes less about just getting the ball in, and it becomes there's kind of a transition that takes place. And this transition doesn't, by the way, there's there's not like a set level where everybody makes this magical transition, you know, to be a, a, a an advanced player. Um, it's a little bit different for everybody, but I'm using kind of a, a general level, which is right around where Joe is, right around a 4.0 level, where most most players will find that they can't continue to be successful unless they have some type of offense. And who wins and loses matches starts becoming more about who dictates play, who is more in control of the points. And just getting the ball in play is no longer enough to control the outcome of the match because now we're starting to play players who are advanced enough that they have weapons and offense of their own. And so if you just get it in play, you will find that they will start to take over and they will take the match from you. Whereas previously, at lower levels of play, if you just got the ball in play, eventually your opponent would just screw up. (laughs) And if you could just get them to just screw up enough times, you would win the match. Joe is starting to get to that level where he can't rely on that anymore. And definitely a half a level up from where he is now, he won't be able to do that anymore. And uh, I'll just give you a quick example of how this works. I, After having quit my job, and I, I've now been out on my own for three weeks now. This is my, my fourth week. Today is Monday. This is entering my fourth week. I, a goal of mine was to get back in shape again, and you might think being a tennis pro, a teaching pro, I'd be in incredible shape because I'm out on a tennis court every single day, all day long, right? Well, let me tell you, the the hitting that I do with clients is much, much less uh, strenuous than what I would do if I was actually competing. You know, most of my com- most of my clients were an average level player, so we're talking three five level. And that compared to playing at a 5-0 level is completely different. And so my um, strength and my conditioning over the last five years have continued to decline. My, uh, you know, my, my timing, my coordination, my, my focus, my concentration, these are all things that have all been on the decline over the, the last several years as I've spent all my time on the court teaching and not actually playing at the level that I'm accustomed to competing at when I'm in, you know, full form. So anyway, so it was my goal to get out and start playing again and start working out again once I finally quit my job and I I could make my own schedule. And I've started doing that. And my first week uh, out 
on my own. I set up some hitting time against a player who plays uh, the top spot in a local 4.5 level league team. And it was really, really frustrating <laughs> for me because I, I was kind of between a rock and a hard place. Uh, my, my body was physically weak. I didn't have the strength that I was used to having back when I was playing every single day. And of course, you know, my, my timing, my consistency was, was not there because I'm just out of practice. It's been a while since I've really competed on a regular basis. So my, my game is just not there. So of course, <laughs> putting that aside and totally ignoring that, of course, I, I came out during the first set that we played just totally going for what I would typically go for if I was in good playing shape and if I was in good playing form and just made a lot of mistakes, you know, just made just dumb mistakes and on easy balls. And and it's not that I was going for shots that were um, totally like shots that I shouldn't be able to make. They're, They're shots that I should have made if I was in full, you know, playing form, but I was not. And so I was missing them as a result. So so you you might think to yourself, okay, well, fine. And this is what I thought to myself. All right, I'm just going to get the ball in because I was dictating play but losing because I was making so many unforced errors. That's a bad combination, dictating play and losing the points. So I was digging myself a hole score-wise and was losing because I was making so many unforced errors. So I think, okay, I'll be smart. I'll just get the ball in play. I'm not going to be offensive you know, I'm just going to hit a solid, you know, just go for a rally ball and just make my opponent beat me. I, I just, I shouldn't beat myself and be dumb tactically. So I did that and my opponent beat me. <laughs> and this, and this, I'm just saying this to illustrate my point. I, I slowed down. I became less aggressive. I made way fewer mistakes. So I, I achieved my goal of being more consistent. I, I just put the ball in play. And then my four or five, you know, probably a strong four or five level opponent dictated play because I wasn't and beat me. So he started taking over the points offensively. He uh, started hitting winners. He started pressuring me, running me around. And this, before I knew it, the set was over. And and so that's just, just an example of how at a four or five level, much less at a 5-0 level, if you don't have the goods, if you don't have the weapons, it doesn't really matter how consistent you are. Your opponent will find ways to dictate play and use their weapons against you. So, you know, I, I just tell that story just to just to show you all exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and Joe, to make it up to a 4-5 level, it won't be good enough to just be consistent. So, for you specifically, Joe, if you feel confident that you can rally steadily and you're, you're solid, you can keep the ball in play, and you feel confident that there's no major holes technique-wise in your game, you know, uh, what I mean by that is your, your forehand is solid, you know, you can just rally that and play all day long, but your backhand, you're just not confident with it, you know, technique-wise, it's just not there, and you have a hard time just getting the ball in play, well, you should probably spend some time and shore up that that backhand before you start worrying too much about weapons. But if in general, you feel pretty solid, and the rest of you listening, if you're around a 4-0 level and you feel pretty solid in general, off the baseline, just rallying, keeping the ball in play, uh, you know, maintaining a neutral rally back and forth 
over and over and over again, then it's time to start working on offense. And if you don't ever make that transition to start working on your weapons, then you're not going to make it to a four or five level. You're going to need it in order to be competitive at a four or five level. You got to have some kind of offense. And without that, um, you know, you might be successful against the lower level four or five type guys who also don't have weapons, but against the legitimate solid four or five and definitely against a stronger four or five level, just putting the ball in play is no longer good enough. So, Joe, there you have it. It's a sliding scale. And uh, what, whether or not you should really start focusing just on weapons now is going to be determined on exactly how solid you are in general right now with what you're doing currently. If you feel confident that you're solid right now, start working on more racket head speed, more power, more topspin to keep the ball in play and, and still be consistent and start working on picking up the level of your strokes. The best of luck doing that, and definitely let me know how it goes. Thanks very much for being a listener and for writing in with your question. I appreciate it. All right, that does it for today's question on episode number 167 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. And in wrapping up, I want to read a couple comments that listeners left on last week's show in which I talked about defeating a serve and volley type player. I did some of that earlier today, by the way. I, I played that same four or five level opponents earlier today, played two sets against him outside for the first time this season. It was in the 80s and, and uh, sunny, and it was a lot of fun playing outdoors on a hard court again and uh, su- successfully served and volleyed several times, which is one of my favorite tactics to use. So, um, it was a lot of fun. I look forward to continuing to hit. I'm sure I'm going to have more stories and I'm going to be telling you guys about my adventures, especially because I'm going to be actually playing in a league this coming summer for at least part of the, uh, the summer season. So I'll be letting you guys know how that's going. I'm sure. And okay. Comments. So comments from last week's show about, I got a little bit off track there. Sorry about uh, serving and volume. First of all, from James, he said, suggestion, Here's a tactic Bjorn Borg used. He had trouble with Jimmy Connors at first. Then, instead of going for the quick winner, he started hitting his first shot right at Connors, jamming him, drawing a defensive first volley, and pinning him further back from the net. Then went for a pass on the second ball. And then he has a second suggestion. Change up your return position and or pace. When I follow a serve in, I'm looking for a quick reflex volley from a ball where I expect it hitting a dipping return repeatedly, then on a key point, say 30-40, flatten it out uh, for one example. Don't just use it on me. <laughs> uh, yeah, James, both good suggestions. The uh, Your second one, uh, mixing it up, you know, kind of dipping it down at the feet and, and then eventually going right at the body. That's something I suggested in the episode, uh, both of those uh, tactics. Um, and the, the first one, Borg versus... Connors, I totally agree what you're saying there about setting up the point rather than going for the winner right away, which very often will lead to unforced errors. Be patient and and don't panic, which can be difficult to do when you know that your opponent is is going to continue to come into the net, is going to continue to pressure you. That's it's exactly what a serve and volley player wants is for you as the returner to feel panicked and pressured 
and feel like you, you have to go for that perfect shot over and over again because that means that the serve and volley player, unless you're really on that day, is going to get a bunch of free points from you going for that perfect ball off the return. And you're going to make lots of unforced errors off that return of serve. Again, unless you're having a great return day, in which case maybe it'll work out for you. And that's great if it does. But what James is suggesting here is really smart. That is to think of it more as a setup, your, your return of serve. Don't think of it as, as having to be a winner. Try to set up the eventual passing shot rather than feeling like you have to do it right away. That's, that's really smart. And then Joanna, she uh, left a comment um, referring to somebody else who also left a comment. She said, I agree with Jason, who left uh, several suggestions also in the comments. Thank you, Jason. The return of serve lob is especially effective on those opponents who love to close in right away, especially if they skip, skip the split step and charge the net. They often aren't able to stop and back up quickly enough to cover the lob. It can be an easy point as well as a good way to keep them back. Yeah, I agree, Joanna. And you're not going to, well, I should take that back. I was going to say, you're not going to play a lot of players who serve and volley a lot, who don't use the split step, who aren't smart enough (laughs) to use the split step. But I take that back because I do see it all the time in intermediate and, and definitely lower level doubles where players are trying to use a more offensive serve and volley tactic and they think that they have to get as close as possible right after the serve. And just as Joanna said, and and this is what Jason was saying in his comments as well, was that a player will totally skip the split step, which is their method of balancing themselves, and just run essentially right underneath a lob. If you can hit a nice high deep lob, um, they won't be balanced and they won't be able to change direction and get back soon enough to be able to get a racket on a well-hit lob. So if you notice that your opponent likes to come to the net and is kind of playing all in all-or-nothing style, just crashing in, absolutely use the lob. If you're playing somebody who's a little bit smarter than that and after beating them once or twice starts balancing themselves and using the split step, then you'll have to mix things up a little bit. Unless, of course, their overhead is not good, in which case, by all means, just go ahead and continue to lob. But against um, a a more intermediate or advanced level serve and volley player, you're going to have to mix things up a little bit more, keep them off balance. Using the lob is not going to be very effective right off the return against an advanced player because they are split-stepping. And usually that split-step is being made several steps behind the service line still. Um, On the service line would be really close because usually these players have bigger serves, so they don't have a lot of time to get close to the net. Um, And so lobbing right off the bat, when they're two steps behind the service line, it's not going to be effective. You're going to have to hit the ball on the baseline in order to really challenge them, since they're not even close to the net yet by the time you hit that return of serve. So you'll want to, in that case, let them get a little closer, maybe two or maybe even three shots into the point, and then use the lob instead of using it right off the return. But, Joanna, you're right. If they don't split step, by all means, use it. It probably will be effective. Okay, so uh, Jason, Joanna, James, lots of J's there. Thank you very much for leaving your comments. And if you have comments about today's episode, number 167, please leave those. You can do that by going to EssentialTennis.com slash podcast. Click on episode number 167 and leave your comments below the transcript for this episode. And I I definitely read all of those. I don't always respond to all of them, but uh, I do my best to. 
And I'd love to hear what you have to say about today's episode. And in wrapping up, uh, I want to remind you about my sponsor. It's been a couple weeks since I've done that. Please go check out Tennis Express, uh, one of the best online tennis retail stores uh, you can go to. They've got a really, really great selection of rackets, strings, bags, clothing, etc., shoes, really good prices, and you can get free shipping on orders of $75 or more. And I'd appreciate it if you check them out by going to EssentialTennis.com slash Express. That'll shoot you right on over to Tennis Express. And it'll also track any orders that you might make. And if you do that, I'll get a small percentage coming back to the podcast to help support the show. And to, to all, of, all, all those of you who have been purchasing through that link, I really appreciate it. That definitely helps me pay the bills here at uh, Essential Tennis uh, Studios, I guess. <laughs> so thank you very much for your support. All right, that's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Take care and good luck with your tennis. 